Did you know that Turkey really is the center of the world? Oil wrestling is the national sport in Turkey. You can cross continents underground in Turkey. There's more than 130 peaks of mountains that reach over 9,800 feet in Turkey. Santa Claus is from Turkey. And you might find chicken in your dessert when eating in Turkey. My name's Jeff Myers, and you're listening to Let's Talk Wake Tech Travel. So back in 2013, I was doing a recruiting table for travel and study abroad at the Western Wake Mill Pond campus. And this instructor walks by and stops and starts uh, looking through the flyers and starts asking me, you know, questions about where I take students and what's the program about. And then we start talking about where I've been and how many countries and where he's been and how many countries. And he starts talking about how he lived in Munich for two years and uh, how he loves travel and that he's a geology instructor at Wake Tech. And I looked down at my watch and had noticed that about 90 minutes had passed. That's how long I was talking to him. And uh, he started telling me about, you know, the stroke he had uh, years earlier and uh, that his passion is to travel a lot more now. And at the time, I think he was at 26, 27 countries. And at the time I was at 34, 35, I don't remember. And uh, he started traveling. He signed up for the Cuba trip and the Southeast Asia trip. And then he went on our Costa Rica, Nicaragua trip. He went on our Spain 2015 trip. He went on our 2018 trip to Peru, brought his daughter. And he set out a contest for himself of 50 by 50 by 50, which was a goal to to hit 50 countries in all 50 states by the time he turned 50. So on on a Panama trip that I did with just him, he hit his 50th. And then last year, he actually hit his 50th state in Alaska. So Tyler Clark is uh, a fun person to talk to. He loves to talk about travel. He is extremely addicted to travel. And so I'm going to get Mr. Clark on the line and introduce him and let him tell you a little bit about himself. So hold on and we'll get him on. How you doing today? Good, and how about yourself? Good. What's your country count now? Oh, I'm up to 50 countries on six different continents. Yeah, but how many countries? 50. 50? You went 50 when I was in Panama with you three years ago. That wasn't three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still at 50. I haven't I haven't gone beyond 50 yet. So holding steady, just looking to find just the right country to, to start off my second half of uh, 100 countries. I'm not sure if I'll make it to 100 or not, but 51 is going to be a special one. Um, okay, well, do you have a country in mind once everything opens up? 
Oh, once everything opens up, wow. Well, it was going to be New Zealand, but that that didn't happen. Uh, maybe somewhere down in the Caribbean, maybe one of those small little island nations down there. I thought you there. hit every place in the Caribbean. I have about five countries left in the Caribbean, including Haiti um, and a lot of the little smaller ones like uh, St. Uh, Vincent and the Grenadines and Antigua and Barbuda, places like that. Little There's little tiny island nations down there in the Lesser Antilles. But uh, I am very close to having all of North America and the Caribbean done, um, as well as having almost all the countries in Europe, at least Western and Central Europe done. I still have some Eastern European countries to get to. Okay. Uh, so there, there's still some some check boxes to be checked. Um, how did the 50 by 50 by 50 come into play? Who Did you just come up with that, or was that something you heard about? Because you, you made it two years ago, right? I did. I, I finished that up actually last year. Um, about seven years ago, I had a stroke which left me paralyzed, and I was working with um, my physical therapist, and she was seeing my frustration in getting better. I was slowly starting to come back, and she says, you need a goal to motivate you to start moving again. She says, what do you like to do? And I says, I like to travel, and I really, really, really hope that I will be able to travel once I get my mobility back. And so <clears throat> after some thinking and some talking about it, she came up with 50 by 50 by 50 as my goal, that by the time I turn 50 years old, that I will go to 50 countries and all 50 U.S. states. And I'm happy to report that uh, I did achieve that goal last, uh, last May of 2019. You assisted that uh, with uh, the program at Wake Tech that I was able to participate in, uh, in getting a lot of my country count up. And you were with me and took my photograph, actually, when I touched down in my 50th country, which was the country of Panama in Central America. And then just last May, I completed my goal of um, the, all 50 states by taking a cruise to Alaska with my girlfriend. And, and she took that important photograph of me touching Alaskan soil, and that was the end of a six-year quest to, uh, to reach my goal. And now I've just been trying to figure out where to go next and had some travel plans. And then this crazy pandemic came around and travel is all kind of sequestered and shut down right now. But boy, am I itching to get on a plane again, as long as it's safe. What? Uh, well, yeah, that, that's the big question. And, you know, that's that's when everybody's going to start traveling again, once we all know it's 100 percent safe. What is your favorite country? Favorite country I've been to? Wow, that's a that's a toss up. I'd put in my top in my top five. I guess I'd maybe put Cuba. Um, I'd put Nicaragua. I'd put Australia for sure. Probably is my number one. Um, gosh, uh, Germany is another another great one up there. Um, boy, I can't remember what my fifth one was, but uh, those are definitely probably Australia, my number okay. one. I was going to say in the top five had to be Turkey. Turkey is up there, uh, maybe Cambodia. Um, they all have things going for them. Okay, so you've been on uh, a bunch of the Explorica trips with me, and I would say out of all the trips, I don't know if it's five or six different Explorica trips, which one meant the most? It's five. It's five. Can you name them? 
Sure, yes. Uh, the, the, the very first one was the Southeast Asia one. That was Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. And just a couple of months later, I went with you to Cuba. And then there was a trip to Spain in 2015. And uh, then there was uh, Nicaragua and Costa Rica. And uh, finished it all off with a trip to uh, Peru in South America. That was my first trip to South America, my only trip to South America. Okay. And I'm looking forward to going back and trying to get some of those countries. Yeah. Okay, so out of the five, can is there a specific one that you can say is your favorite, or are they all your favorite in different ways? Each one of them was a memorable, remarkable um, experience. I loved all the trips. Cuba will definitely rank up there as probably one of the most uh, memorable um there was uh, just so much to see so many stereotypes i had about that country growing up that were completely shattered once i got there and realized that just because they're a communist dictatorship you know does not you know the the nicest people in the world that they don't have anything and they'll give you their shirt off their back um not like i would expect it to be based on uh, the you know cultural upbringing i had in the u.s during the cold war right do you uh do you have difficulty sometimes uh adjusting to living back in our culture after going on these trips oh yes uh, absolutely um i lived in i lived in europe for two years in the, the late 2000s 2007 2009 and i got very accustomed to the european way of doing things um, you know, we like to say here in the United States, we're number one, we're number one. Well, we're number one in saying that we're number one. Um, there are many things that other countries do that aren't necessarily better, but um, I tend to enjoy, whether it be recycling programs or, or policing or just uh, how, they, how they eat, the, the food, the times they eat, things like that. Um, and I'm not, to say, not saying that that's necessarily better, but it's different. And you get used to something different, and then you come back to the United States, and you're like, uh, uh, why do we do it this way? Right. So um, That's right. you definitely get a, a better appreciation. How did you like living in Munich for two years? Living in Munich for two years was amazing, an amazing experience. I wouldn't uh, switch that out for anything in the world. Um, I had the great fortune to be a stay-at-home dad during that time. Uh, and my then wife at the time was working, and so that afforded me the ability to travel during the day to local places. Um, when my my two young daughters were in school, and we had many, many, many guests from the United States come and visit and stay for extended time. Most of them came for a week or two weeks, and so I was able to travel locally, go to the castles, go to many, many day trips to Salzburg, Austria, and um, hiking in the Bavarian Alps. I mean, there's just so much in 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 that area in Bavaria uh, to do and see. The museums, the art museums, the science museums, everything about it was wonderful. You uh, you mentioned your daughters. Are they close to you in country count? Because I know you've gotten them to travel early. <laughs> they are they are trying to catch up, but they're not going to catch their dad anytime soon. 
Yes, one of the benefits of, of living in Europe is that there's the, the open borders in the European Union, and you can just get in your car in Germany and drive to a whole bunch of different places without ever, ever having to worry about your passport. I mean, it's always good to keep it with you, but um, you can drive across country borders just like you could drive from North Carolina to Virginia. It's just a sign on the side of the highway. Um, in fact, one day with um, some guests, we went to four countries in one day. We went from Germany to Austria to Switzerland to Liechtenstein. We got four different countries in one day. Um, so my daughters, to answer your question, that my daughters have had the ability to travel. I believe right now that they're up to about 28, 29, 30. I think one of them has one other extra country that the older daughter has uh, has Canada and the younger daughter doesn't. So um, that should be an easy thing for her to pick up and um, to get. But uh, I try to take them with me when I have the opportunity. When I did the uh, Wake Tech trip to Peru, I, I brought my younger daughter with with me. So she picked up she picked up Peru on that trip. So maybe that cancels out the Canada thing. Yeah. And they're equal in the country count, but they they still have a ways to go. And you recently, I don't know how many years ago, did a kind of a whirlwind tour of Europe with one of your daughters that was doing a study abroad in Vienna. Is that right? That's right. My older daughter, she was at uh, North Carolina State University in Raleigh, and she decided, based on her love of travel and her declared major, which was international studies, the university required them to do one semester of study abroad, and so she chose a summer school program in Vienna, Austria. So my younger daughter and I decided that that would be a good time to uh, to visit, and we had never been to Vienna before, and it, luckily my daughter had studied there, and so she knew her way around. So we had kind of a unofficial tour guide, so my younger daughter and I flew over there, and um, we got the tour around Vienna, and then we did a 14-day cruise out of Amsterdam to um, the North Sea area, and we were, we were able to get Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Russia. We got to go to St. Petersburg and Estonia, uh, one of the former Soviet republics that's an independent country up there now. Uh, amazing trip, and um, it's always great to, to travel with my daughters. Yeah, if you have a chance to travel with family and friends, you get to know each other a lot, a lot uh, better uh, under circumstances like that. And you can teach them important things about you know the, the do's and the don'ts of travel and how to be aware. I didn't have to explain all that to my daughters because they had lived in Germany for two years, so they kind of knew the culture already. Right. But um, it's always good to travel with a buddy, to someone that's always got your back. Um, was St. Petersburg like what they say in the news, the most unfriendliest place on earth or no? Yeah, actually, I was not impressed with St. Petersburg. The architecture was absolutely stunning, the buildings, the museums. But, uh, yes, you're just another tourist in the big, giant mass of tourists and the long lines that are going places. I did not find St. Petersburg to be a very friendly city at all. Um, in fact, I um, have checked off that box. St. Petersburg is Russia, and while I have not set foot anywhere else in Russia, I've been to Russia. Uh, so that that counts, but uh, I don't have any plans to go back to Russia anytime soon. Maybe if I had a chance to go to Moscow, just to say, okay, I was I was in the capital, um, 
But no, don't have any desire to go back to St. Petersburg anytime. The food was terrible. The people were unfriendly. Uh, that was maybe the, the the only negative experience of uh, now how of the whole trip. How were they? How were they unfriendly? I mean, do, did they ignore you? Did they what? It, what what was unfriendly about the people in Russia? Um, I think if you went into a shop, if you wanted to buy a souvenir or something like that, you know, the, the level of customer service wasn't, uh, you know, what we're used to in, in the United States. Uh, we didn't spend any time in any restaurants. I was on a, a guided tour. Even our tour guide, who was a local Russian woman, um, she was factually, you know, aware of the different places, and she would tell you some interesting stories about different things. But um, it didn't necessarily make you feel very welcome in the country. For her, it was she was just doing a job, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, not very what we would call southern hospitality down here in North Carolina. Right. Uh, a little lacking in the customer service skills, <clears throat> and maybe that's just because of the way that they uh, they were brought up. Their right. culture is is different than ours. Sure. Now, as a geologist, on some of the trips that you've done, is there any moment that stands out? Um, you know, in your line of work that was just unbelievable. I can personally think of one. I just see if you, you can recall. Oh, I, I, I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, absolutely. You know, as uh, I am a geologist, uh, formally trained as, as a geologist, and many of the students that I've traveled with uh, are aware of that fact and would, would make fun of me because um, they'd see a rock somewhere and they go, Oh, look, Tyler, a rock, go check it out. Tell us what it is. Tell us what it is. And of course I'd go over, you know, that's a piece of granite. It's not very exciting, but, um, many of the trips were an opportunity to see geology in other parts of the world. And I would collect samples where allowed and, uh, Hands down, the most memorable experience of, of my life geologically was the trip to Nicaragua to the Masaya uh, volcano. And we, I've climbed five active volcanoes, none of which, um, um, many of which I was able to see lava, but this one was different because we drove right up to the crater and they, they have it all set up for safety. And uh, you go right up to the rim, to the railing, and look over the edge of the crater into the boiling, hissing, rolling magma lake in the bottom of the crater. I never in a million years thought that I would see that as a geologist. And, uh, yep, there we did it. We drove up, and I could just see the glow, the orange glow, reflecting off the clouds over the volcano. And I thought, we're going to see lava. And sure enough, we did. And I can almost still see it, smell it, hear it. it. It's a memory that I will take with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, as a non-geologist, I, still one of the best memories I've had of any trip was exiting that bus into looking right down into the volcano and asking the tour guide how much time the group had. And when she said 10 minutes, I said, why? And she said, because it's a little more active than we thought. So for safety reasons, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, there's a little bit of adrenaline rush that goes with it when you find out, you know, that you can only be there for a certain amount of time because it could erupt at any time. And that's absolutely true of volcanoes like that. You don't know what's going to happen until it's too late. So, um, you know, it's it's an area that you, it, most geologists never get to do that. And um, I feel very fortunate to have been able to have that experience. Well, um, I appreciate uh, we're kind of running out of time and we're going to definitely – 
you and I talk about a few different countries, you know, starting with uh, the trips that we've done, look at some in-depth analysis of the countries, the cultures, the experiences we've done in some upcoming episodes, if that's okay with you. That sounds great. I'd love to come back and join you. All right. Well, Tyler Clark, have a great day, and thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, so you've been listening to Tyler Clark, and he is a guy that I probably will bring back on episodes that uh, get a little deeper into certain countries, especially the ones him and I have traveled to, like Romania and Panama and Spain and Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Cuba, uh, Austria. So, you know, he's uh, he has a lot of knowledge about different countries and cultures, and he'll be back quite a few times on this podcast. So my name's Jeff Myers, and again, you've been listening to Let's Talk Wake Tech Travel.